Maternal Health, episode number 24. Listening to the Eternal Health Podcast, where we discuss God's great design for your life in body, mind, and spirit. Your host is Laura Rimmer, who's a plant-based nutritionist, author, speaker, and health coach. Looking for yoga tips or the latest protein shake recommendations? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. If you're ready for no-nonsense, multi-layered health expertise, drawing on evidence-based nutrition and biblical principles, welcome to Eternal Health. For show notes and to download your free 5-minute Optimum Health Scorecard, please visit laurarimmer.com. Enjoy the show. Hi there, it's Laura Rimmer. Welcome back to another episode of Eternal Health. Now, firstly, I want to apologize to you for missing a week last week. I had a super busy week and just wasn't able to get get an episode out. Now, I'm going to be looking to get sponsors moving forward with the show because it takes a lot of time and effort and resources to um, to get a show out every week. So um, yeah, in the meantime, just bear with me. It'll The show will be out between Monday and Wednesday every week. I know I said Monday when I first started the show, but um, given that I've got a schedule of people I'm going to be interviewing as well coming up, which is exciting, and I kind of have to fit around their schedule to a degree, between Monday and Wednesday every week, the show will be out. So, um, So yeah, I'm still here still going to be coming out. If you haven't listened to last, um, the last episode, episode number 23, that's a really, really good one to listen to. Do go and listen to that. It's on good fats and bad fats and the role of oils and fats in our diet and exactly which fats are good, which ones are bad, which ones we should be 100% avoiding. This is, um, if I had to give one bit of dietary advice to anyone, it's always this about good fats and bad fats. And there's a particular type of fat that I say you need to be cutting from your diet ASAP, never eat it again. This is the most important thing to do in our diet, in my estimation. So go and listen to that and um, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, this week's episode is entitled Why I Don't Follow a Vegan Diet Anymore and Don't Recommend Going Vegan. So that, for me, is quite a scary title because I have been known as being a vegan in certain circles for many years now. And yeah, I'm I'm no longer vegan and I'll explain why and so this episode is going to be all about a vegan diet and why I just don't recommend that you go vegan okay so before we get into that then just to say I've had a really good week I went and did a falconry experience up country last week my lovely husband for my birthday bought me a falconry experience and I got to fly wonderful birds of prey things like uh, Harris hawks and owls, large owls and vultures, which was amazing. And the best one, which is it's one of my favourite birds, they're absolutely breathtaking, I think, was uh, a bald eagle. So you know the American patriot symbol, the bald eagle. And this bird was stunning and he landed on me and I fed him and oh, it was amazing. So had a really wonderful day out experience at, um, at a bird of prey kind of rescue centre doing that. So that was really good. Okay, let's get into today's show then. So all about why I don't follow a vegan diet anymore and don't recommend going vegan. So this topic is important because 
many people now are embracing veganism. I myself have been following a completely plant-based diet for over six years and was vegetarian for a number of years before that. And over the past 10 years, I've seen the rise of a plant-based diet and veganism it's grown rapidly it's really grown rapidly and we're at the point now where veganism is becoming quite hip I remember when I first started on this path um, firstly into vegetarianism you know veganism was labeled as people who are a bit hippie-ish a little bit wacky a bit far out um, and certainly a lot of new ages so that that went hand in hand with where I was at Um, in my kind of mid-twenties really when I was heavily into kind of new age spirituality if you like and very much about peace and kindness and love and all that kind of stuff however some of that is a little bit misguided in my in my experience in my view and I've had you know I've, I've seen a lot of stuff in this area certainly in the area of diet also in the realm of spirituality so I'm going to be talking about that today and why veganism is is not all it's cracked up to be and why I'm absolutely kind of distancing myself from the vegan movement because it is really, you know, it's a, it's a movement. So the first reason why I do not say that I'm vegan anymore is really down to what the definition of veganism is. So if we take a look at the definition from the vegan society, It says veganism is a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practicable all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing or any other purpose. Now, call me pedantic, but that sounds rather vague. What does that mean? A way of um, seeking to exclude the exploitation and cruelty of animals as far as possible and practicable. So what are we saying then? If you're an Eskimo living out in the Arctic and all you can have is whale blubber, say, can they class themselves vegan? Because if they wanted to eat fruits and vegetables, then, um, you know, if the desire's there, but they just can't, it's not reasonably practicable and possible, then they're forced to be eating animal-based products is that still veganism? Is it a mindset? Is it an actual thing? Is it is it the foods we eat exclusively? Well, the definition does go on. So it says, says there are many ways to embrace vegan living. Yet one thing all vegans have in common is a plant-based diet avoiding all animal foods such as meat, including fish, shellfish and insects, dairy, eggs and honey, as well as products like leather and any tested on animals. So... Again, so here's my experience with this. With this definition, I see a lot of vegans employing this definition quite liberally as they feel. So, for example, I've met some vegans who would say, yeah, if you have, if you wear any leather goods, any kind of animal product goods whatsoever, then you are not a vegan. But others who say, well, I don't eat um, any animal-based products, but I will wear leather, for example. And the vegan community would very much kind of say that's not veganism. In my experience, anyway, that's what I've seen. But then we can, okay, so let's say someone who classes themselves as vegan doesn't eat any animal products, 
doesn't use any um, wear leather and things like that but what about innocuously buying a, a soap say which is made with beef tallow so it's got beef fat in the soap say you bought one by accident or bought one knowingly is that still veganism what about if you don't buy products at home but you're out in a restaurant you go to the bathroom and use the soap there and that's got beef tallow in it is that any different to going to a restaurant eating uh, you know beef product by accident I don't know I just think the definition is a little bit vague and it's very much open to interpretation and for me so my background I was plant-based 100% plant-based for six years vegetarian for longer than that and during that time I definitely have worn leather I do buy vegan skincare products for the most part but mainly because I like to buy natural plant-based skin products However, I'm not averse to buying the odd thing here or there, shampoo that might have been tested on animals. I'm not as, I'm not hugely, um, what's the word, discriminating when it comes to thing like that, things like that. My main desire for going plant-based was purely a selfish one, really, because of my own health. I wanted to improve my health and my athletic performance, and I felt at the time that going 100% plant-based was a good move in that respect. Now, over the years, I've not really bought much animal-based products and clothes and things. So I do have several pairs of boots, which are sheepskin and animal suede. However, the majority of them I've bought secondhand. So what do you do in that case? Is it okay to buy secondhand leather goods because no animal is being, you're not contributing to any killing of an animal. The animal's already killed, the product's already been bought, you're merely using it again a second time so is that veganism i don't know um but i here's the thing here's the point i see a lot of vegans being very um picky and choosy with what they decide as being vegan and what isn't and the definition isn't universal so one vegan will think completely different to the next and over and above all of that i see that veganism more and more is becoming a religion it's certainly a movement it's becoming more of a religion and why do i say that well because there's dogma involved, there's a lot of faith, blind faith involved, not that all religions have blind faith, I'm a Christian, Christianity certainly isn't blind faith and if you think it is then I would suggest that you look into it more, um, Christianity is based on facts and dates and times and people and places and a very real relationship with the living God that created this world and everything in it. But veganism is it is a religion because here's one scenario which I remember and I've come across this quite a lot of times actually and it makes no sense because looking at our definition veganism is supposed to avoid animal cruelty and the exploitation of animals but what if and I've got a friend who does this and several other people who've mentioned this in vegan circles and been kind of ousted so if you raise chickens and those chickens are treated really well they're allowed to run around a field all day and yeah they're treated well and they produce eggs and you eat those eggs is that going against the definition of veganism because there's no cruelty involved the animals aren't being exploited the animals aren't being used at, at their expense for your food not unless you kill and eat the chicken but so is eggs okay is eating eggs okay similarly with a if you were to raise your own goats or um, or cows and drink the milk from those animals leaving enough for their babies but 
a lot of the time animals just as women do they produce more milk than is actually needed so the excess milk is that okay to drink from your goat or your cow and I would say that vegans would say that's not okay and I think that's where the dogma comes in and makes it more of a religion because there's more of an agenda than just the animal cruelty thing going on here there's a fixation on elevating animals and the desire of animals and putting animals above human welfare and um and that's something that i don't i don't agree with and i don't i don't really like and i don't think it's logical so that's my my first thing i would say around the flaws with veganism now the second reason why i don't recommend veganism is because more and more we're being told that and i hear this a lot if if everyone wants to go vegan the planet would be saved, the earth would be saved. And I know that's just not true. The earth is not going to be saved by everyone going vegan. The saying goes that we're producing greenhouse gases and carbon emissions and it's all down to meat consumption. And for every beef burger that we eat, something like five gallons of water is used up and it's super energy inefficient and it's really selfish and it's not going to conserve the environment and the the earth by eating meat so that's one of the um, one of the arguments that vegans make but it's just not true number one the earth is not going to be saved by us all going vegetarian or vegan the earth is going to be saved when jesus returns when he returns to this earth and when jesus comes back and that's the fact that's the truth of it whether you believe it or not currently um that's okay i didn't for many years <laughs> I, I didn't even know that christians thought this i just thought christians were into mor- morality and do-gooding and stuff which is is not the case at all christians actually believe what the bible says if you're a true christian and the bible says that the earth will end when jesus returns and comes to renew the earth it's not gonna be destroyed by some comet or by aliens or anything from outer space or by us polluting the planet or the seas and the ice caps melting and flooding us all no that's not going to happen the earth is going to be saved by jesus so therefore i can take that pressure off of myself to go i must recycle everything and i must go completely vegan and i must minimize my waste and i must live in a tiny little place and i must drive an eco-friendly car you know i can do some of those things if i want to if i feel compelled to but i shouldn't feel like i have to because the world isn't going to be saved by me living a more ecological life that's for sure it's going to be saved by jesus so put it this way my god is jesus christ and the god of heavens and the earth and so i'm not making vegetarianism veganism or the environmental issues of our time a god that i have to submit to and put everything all my decisions underneath no my decisions are based on what the bible says and the bible doesn't talk about you know (laughs) saving the earth through going vegan so that's the second reason but also okay so let's assume that what i've just said you're like whatever i don't agree with that she doesn't know what she's talking about okay fine if that's what you believe but here's a scientific fact that not a lot of people talk about and certainly not in the vegan community i don't actually think many people are aware of this certainly in the vegan community is that the world's soils and environments are not being depleted by the animals 
they are being depleted because we are ravaging our fields, our pasture lands, and instead of rotating crops and rotating what happens in those fields and then letting the the field lie fallow for a year which is super biblical by the way god when he gives his um, ordinances about how to farm the land and things he says that every seven years one year the land must lie fallow and have a year of rest and that's good (laughs) that's good farming science that's good um it's just good science in general to allow the nutrients to replenish and, and to restore Um, rather than to strip the land constantly of its minerals and nutrients now if we just constantly have arable farming and crop-based farming then that actually depletes the soils of its nutrients and we deplete what's called the hummus the layer of hummus not the um not the chickpea spread no hummus that's the organic material in the soil so actually, it's, it's not actually part of the soil. It's the broken down, composted remains of things like leaves and grass and other organic matter contained within the soil or, or things that fall onto the soil and then get decomposed. So hummus is highly nutritious. It's very rich in minerals and microbes and really vital for the healthy growth of plants and crops and animals as well when animals are grazing so it's really important that hummus is really really rich and what happens is when we're constantly constantly farming the land and not allowing this this rest period is that the soil gets depleted of nutrients and having animals pasture grazing on that soil really helps to improve the hummus not deplete it i listened to an interview with a woman called judith schwartz And she wrote the book, Cows Save the Planet. And she talks about exactly this, how our soils are only going to stop being what she called desertified. So the desertification of soils, i.e. becoming like desert, so arid and, you know, nothing will grow on it. The only way to stop that happening is through grazing cows. And obviously that means sustainable farming. It means treating the animals in in a good and fair way a way that promotes their well-being but there is this symbiotic relationship she pointed out between the land between the soil and the animals and we really need those animals grazing on the land to produce the best soil and she gave some really interesting facts and this is from another guy's work an african ecologist found this out he discovered that the animals do a a number of key things to the soils and to the grass and the pasture so things like when animals are under threat they will herd together and then they will flee and what happens when they do that is that they will trample all the um all the things underfoot so that will compact down those organic matters or that organic matter to produce the hummus it also um enables things to get squished down and broken up and light to get in and it will further yeah further aid the decomposition process and also animals nibbling on the grass promotes growth it stimulates growth because the then the tops of the the tips of the grass are exposed to sunlight and they grow further so yeah there's a lot of stuff it's it's quite interesting actually as I was doing the research for this to look into and I will leave a link to that interview with Judith Schwartz in the show notes if you want to have a look at it but um but basically she gives a very very compelling argument along with the the other studies done by these guys in Africa the ecologists to show that 
yeah, we really need animals grazing on our fields. And the way to save farming and to save the topsoil and the hummus is not by taking animals off and not farming animals. It's by, yeah, definitely farming animals and also arable crops and things as well. And why is the hummus so important? Because the hummus it's like a kind of spongy layer and it really helps absorb a lot of water and things. So a lot of flooding in different areas is occurring because the hummus has been depleted and it's not rich enough. Whereas this hummus can expand and it can soak up a lot of water like a sponge. So it really acts to help out the environment and the land. Now, of course, you'll be aware that many animals are not reared in this way. They're not put out to pasture, to graze. They are in factory farms and CAFOs, so concentrated animal feeding operations, factory farming, that type of stuff. So you might say, well, that totally negates anything I've just talked about. Well, yeah, you know, that's true in those in those situations. To me, that highlights the fact that we shouldn't be all jumping ship and and going completely vegan, not for the ecological reasons anyway. If you want to do it for health reasons, I'll come to that later. But purely from an environmental and ecological standpoint, it doesn't make sense to go, I'm not going to eat meat, I'm going to become a vegan because we're ravaging our lands with genetically modified crops, corn, soy canola or you know rapeseed for vegetable oils and things so that's not the answer the answer is to support small local farmers who are kind and producing meat and dairy and their produce in a animal friendly way in a in a well-reared animal welfare way with a you know a focus on that good animal welfare and in terms of the biblical aspect here then if you look in the bible biblical farming is a world apart from the type of farming we're doing these days where animals are shoved in small confined areas in cages pumped full of hormones milked beyond belief and get all sorts of diseases and things and you know that that's not that's not good it's not good for the environment it's not good for our health it's not good for the animals it's not good for anyone except for the economy but it's going to be short-lived because that's not sustainable So the answer really is to get back to traditional farming and my view would be to support local organic farmers that produce grass-fed, pasture-raised meat and dairy products. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely biblical. It's, It's about good stewardship of the animals, of the environment and the earth. Okay, the next reason why I'm no longer vegan is because usually a vegan diet is pretty unhealthy and vegans really struggle to get all their necessary nutrients. So enzymes, vitamins, minerals, the, the correct ratios of fats and the right types of fats and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, when I was completely plant-based for over well six years, I ate pretty healthily but I see that many vegan foods so more and more there's a rise of vegan foods available which the vegans would say is brilliant they would say that's fantastic shops are uh, pandering to their to their needs and the growing rise in a vegan diet so they would see that as a positive thing however this increase in in plant-based foods doesn't represent an increase in health no it represents oftentimes a real increase in junk food really um so for example vegan cheeses are really really bad for you they typically have 
modified, things like modified maize starch and tapioca starch. Sometimes they'll contain coconut oil, but more often than not, they'll contain vegetable oils, which, remember from last week's episode, are really bad for us. So genetically modified stuff, a lot of other unnatural ingredients and preservatives and flavorings and things so really it would be better for us to be eating just an organic normal cheese which is only a couple of ingredients typically and uh, at least is natural rather than these pseudo cheeses and and the same goes for meats as well plant-based vegan meats will have in them a lot of soy so typically soy based or wheat gluten based things both of which are unhealthy foods and pretty much the majority of them are going to be genetically modified and then they will also have in things like yeah msg and other colorings flavorings preservatives additives and things so it's not good to be eating these fake meats fake cheeses fake dairy products just for the sake of not eating animals and thinking that's healthy for us because it absolutely isn't And over the years that I was vegan or plant-based, then I slowly saw the decline of the foods that I liked and the quality of them becoming worse and worse. So for example, I really liked a coconut yogurt, which was just coconut and yeah, coconut milk and live bacteria. So the good probiotic bacteria, but slowly companies began to introduce soy into that. So it now became a soy and coconut yogurt. And I saw that happen with lots of different things. The introduction of modified maize starch and soya lecithin and things like that and and vegetable oils into the products that I liked that were previously pretty healthy plant-based products over the years eroded and became more unhealthy so in other words what I'm saying is that any products that are labeled vegan or plant-based and are trying to emulate something that's normally made with an animal product things like dairy cheeses creams yogurts meats that kind of stuff will invariably contain soy corn wheat vegetable oils and sugar I would say those are probably the big five that we need to be avoiding in our diet and are very bad for our health. All of those things are also being genetically modified and monopolized by big companies and are absolutely ravaging our land. So the net effect is a decline in our own personal health, but also the reason why many people go vegan is to preserve or to try and preserve the land and the the animals and things like that it's actually having the opposite effect. Trying to preserve the land and the animals by going vegan is not going to work because these the rise in these genetically modified crops and things actually has a, a worse effect on the land and the animals because think about it, when we're stripping away big swathes of land to produce corn and things, what's that doing to the animals? Lots of animals get killed in that process for sure and that's well documented and we're also feeding our animals these genetically modified um, dirty crops so we don't want to be supporting that industry. I don't want to be supporting that industry. Vegan meats and cheeses are unhealthy. It's hard to do the vegan diet well. Yes some people do but you need to eat a lot and I was eating a lot on a purely plant-based diet and it can get fairly expensive and yeah I mean for sure you can have lots of fruits and vegetables and legumes and pulses and things like that but 
a diet rich in too much carbohydrates is not good. It's very hard to get the right amount of fat and the good type of fat from a vegan diet. The next reason why I'm no longer vegan is because, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but um, and I'm not going to really explain it. I'll leave you to do the research on this yourself. But the vegan diet really is the diet of the New World Order or Agenda 21 that's being put in place. Now, I'm not going to go into that. I'll leave you to look at that. But um, that's my view on where things are going. The next thing is that in my line of work, so as someone who coaches with health, I experience the fact that most people just simply don't want to go vegan. Most people are not interested in going 100% plant-based. And really over the years with my coaching, and I've promoted a plant-based diet, but most people will say to me, I'm interested in increasing my fruits and vegetables and eating much more naturally and eating many more whole foods, but I really like my fish or I really like eggs or I really like butter or cheese or meat or, you know, beef or whatever. So most people just quite frankly don't want to go vegan. And um, yeah, I'm I'm up, updating my own, my own uh, way of eating to reflect that. Not, I mean, that's one of the much lesser reasons, but as a health coach, then I need to really be able to connect well with my with my audience so I think in terms of you know the work that I do this is going to be a good move as well because now I can by including more good quality and and the emphasis here is really good quality meats and dairy products well sourced locally raised from small farms and in many cases um certainly organic and pasture raised but in terms of dairy things like raw cheeses raw milks raw cream raw butter that kind of stuff is a world apart from conventional homogenized antibiotics ridden milk bought in the supermarkets if you see what I mean so by me embracing high quality animal foods then I'm able to connect with my audience a lot better and and I hope that maybe you're in that camp and and you would appreciate that rather than feeling from health coaches and nutritionists and dietitians and even doctors and things that a plant-based or vegan diet is the best type of diet and to feel that pressure to to have to go more plant-based now for sure including plants in your diet is good I've always felt that ever since I've been a, a, a nutritionist always promoted that it's worked well in my life so I'm not saying by any means plants aren't good for you yes we should be including lots of fresh veg- vegetables some fruits legumes pulses all that kind of stuff but the emphasis needs to be on whole foods and certainly yeah to include some high quality animal products in our diet as well now the final reasons and these are really the main reasons why I now embrace some animal products in my own diet and promote that is because I made a mistake (laughs) in my research and I hold my hands up to this I got taken in by the huge bodies of research that says 
that, and I use research in inverted quotes, that says that saturated animal fats are bad for us and that we need to keep our diet low in saturated animal fat. We need to be trying to lower our cholesterol. Now, through the work of people like, and I'm going to list some people here you might want to check out. So Professor Tim Noakes, John O'Proudfoot of The Real Meal Revolution, the Western A. Price Foundation, Sally fallon Morell. Uh, who else, who else, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, Nina Teicholtz, these people have all done a lot of work and research in the area of the benefits of saturated animal fats, now I don't know about you but when we hear saturated animal fats we think this is bad, now coupled with what I talked about in the last episode about why actually it's vegetable oils and these polyunsaturated and Frankenstein kind of industrial seed oil fats that are the real enemy for us, the real baddies in our diet. Saturated animal fats are not the things that are giving us heart disease and type 2 diabetes and, um, you know, all these different health struggles at all. They've been demonized. But actually, it's interesting because a lot of the so called research behind the studies which say this have actually been bought off basically and I'm not going to spend too much I'm not going to spend any time talking about that but I would encourage you to check out the work of people like Gary Fetke Professor Tim Noakes is a really good place to start and they will talk about how because these guys are in research um, they're medical doctors and they've been basically ostracized by the dietary community and actually had in some cases lawsuits brought against them for saying that saturated animal fats are good we need to be keeping our diet lower lowering carbohydrates higher in saturated animal fats now this was news to me this is a new new learnings that i've come in come into um, knowledge of only in the last few months and i'm reflecting my own dietary practices and the the information that I give my clients in response to this. Now, this is not widespread knowledge. Yes, there is a lot of people who are embracing more higher fats in their diet. So there's a rise in things like the keto diet and paleo diet and things like that, but not necessarily, not necessarily talking about the need for saturated animal fats. I'm going to do a whole other episode on the topic of animal-based fats in the future. But, um, but that's, that's really why I've changed my outlook on things and made changes in my diet accordingly is because I now know that saturated animal fats are not the problem in our diet. I aimed for years to reduce or get rid of completely when I was 100% plant-based the saturated animal fats from my diet thinking that was the best thing to do and that's not because I haven't done my research it's not because I there was a blind spot in my knowledge or well there was but not through <laughs> lack of diligence it's because there is a big cover-up um, and I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or anything like that but there's a lot of money involved and there's reasons behind why seed oils are promoted in favour of saturated animal fats and I will leave you to look at the research of Professor Tim Noakes in particular to understand why that is. I may well try and get Tim Noakes onto a podcast so he can explain it for us. Now all of this came to a head for me in really in prayer 
And it just shows to me the graciousness of God and how God is so much wiser than us because I was quite happy on a plant-based diet. I was quite happy promoting a plant-based diet, even though, as I mentioned, most of my coaching clients had a desire to eat more plant-based and whole foods, but not necessarily a desire to go 100% vegan. But nonetheless, I was happy with my diet. My husband wasn't so happy with the diet. He was doing okay on it for a couple of years, but not not really embracing it in the same way that I was. And as for me, as someone who likes to eat a lot of food, I was able to get all my nutrients and things because I ate quite large volumes of food. He's someone who eats, a, who likes to eat small meals and doesn't like to feel too full and likes to eat minimally, really. So for him, these low calorie, carbohydrate and water rich foods were not really fueling him for for the work and the athletic things that he participates in. So really, we both sought the Lord on this. We both prayed into it. And we I've been praying into this for years because as soon as I became Christian, I immediately submitted my diet to, to the Lord and said, look, if veganism is not the way you want me to go, then I'm happy to let go of it and, and change my diet. And really, he's been moving in my heart for the last three years, I'd say, and moving me in a direction certainly made me more aware of genetically modify things and and the the vegan agenda so the fact that it is it's a movement it's almost as I mentioned like a religion and I've been uneasy about that and not felt comfortable with that and I don't really want to be labeled a vegan because I'm not a vegan that's not my religion I'm a Christian I follow Jesus and basically about a month ago the Lord just opened my eyes I feel he's taken me he took me so far in a plant-based diet and eating more cleanly eating more whole foods getting great performance great health from that but in prayer he at one point he literally it felt like he opened the doors to this new room so I was in a house and there was this unlocked or this locked door and then he unlocked it for me and I opened in and there's this whole treasure trove of new things that's how it felt to me and that included bringing back into my diet so high quality meat so I stand by everything I said before no genetically modified foods that includes meat dairy and any animal-based product I stand by still no conventional meat and dairy because conventional meat and dairy is raised a lot of the time in CAFOs, these concentrated animal feeding uh, operations, factory farms uh, on the rise, increasing rapidly where I live and certainly in the US and, and other places around the world. So I stand by all of that to avoid conventionally raised meat and dairy because they're typically given genetically modified feed cows and lambs and sheep and goats and pigs and things are supposed to be eating pasture they're supposed to be eating grass and they're not they're being fed grains and all sorts of other dirty feed and waste products from industry so I would not support that industry at all the conventional meat and dairy industry if you're in America dairy cows are given our recumbent bovine growth hormones which plays havoc with our own body's hormones. And yeah, conventional dairy is, is just not good. It's, it's homogenized, which means there's hydrogenated fats oftentimes in the milk. And we, again, I will refer you to last week's episode, episode 23 on that, because they are super unhealthy for us. So 
does this mean that I'm going back to eating the diet that I was eating before I became plant-based? No, it doesn't. Not at all. It means I'm taking a step forward reintroducing high quality meat and dairy products so what does that mean and what do I recommend as being the best diet and I am gonna run through this in detail on the next show on episode 25 of eternal health but for now let's just say the diet that I recommend includes whole foods so a lot of fresh vegetables (laughs) fruits nuts and seeds some legumes so pulses and uh, lentils and things so all of that stands I've been eating that way for years and years and years and continue to say that that's a good and healthy diet the animal products that I'm reintroducing into my diet are things like high quality good cuts of meat with all the fat on it um not a you know not an excessive amount of fat but certainly not taking all the skin off and off the bone and all that kind of stuff cooking meats in their entirety and eating things like organ meats so liver organic liver and yeah chicken with skin on and and the fat on it and all that kind of stuff so not lean chicken breasts necessarily because we need those saturated animal fats so pasture-raised organic farmed animals and I'm purchasing these from local farms so people in my area where I live I'm supporting local farmers and I'm going along to the farms speaking to the people that run them speaking to the farmers and uh, and buying them locally to support local farms who are being ousted by big industry by big agriculture and are really being pressurized to start changing over their their farming to these genetically modified crops so I want to support local farmers doing organic farming I buy raw milk so raw cow's milk raw goat's milk because raw milk is a world apart from conventional milk one is liquid gold one is liquid poison raw milk raised and um farmed in correct conditions obviously hygienic conditions good conditions is very very good for you and I will do another episode on the benefits of raw milk in the future obviously there's a whole load of new episodes now that I'm I'm going to be able to talk about and and do as a result of this change but yeah raw milk not conventional milk so raw goat's milk raw cow's milk and what else so pasture-raised organic free-range eggs as well so for sure still the fruits and vegetables but with the addition of some high quality meats a few times a week so I'm certainly not looking to save the planet through uh, my own diet and God has shown me clearly that eating animals is just fine all the way through the Bible we see animal sacrifice for food and but we also see the gravity of sacrificing animals certainly in the old testament with the whole levitical system of sacrifice in the tabernacle so if you look all through exodus and the old testament where god's people would as an atonement or a picture of an atonement for their sins which was before jesus came along to make a full atonement for their sins so they would acknowledge the gravity of their sins their transgressions against god Um, which just means that the bad stuff we do that is against God's perfect standard, his law in the Ten Commandments. So if we violate that, then 
the people in the Old Testament would take along an animal, an um, so an unblemished lamb typically, and put their hands on the head of this lamb and slaughter that animal and sacrifice it to God. Now you might think that is just weird. Why does an animal need to be killed and that's just bloodthirsty and strange? Well, it is kind of, but think about it. It shows that God takes sin so seriously that someone, and we're told in Romans, the penalty of sin is death. So if we don't want to die for our own sin. Something else has to die because sin is that serious. And so animals were typically sacrificed to show the gravity of that sin, the fact that an animal had to die in your place because someone has to die for the sin. So when we eat animals, God is saying to us and showing us that it's not a light thing. And we are told that we are to be good stewards of the planet or the earth rather and the animals and so biblical farming is what I approve of. Good stewardship of the animals. I do not agree with factory, factory farming and CAFOs and things. And I don't think if we're Christians, I don't think that, that we should be supporting that. I think we should be aware of the food that we're buying as well as the clothes we're buying. You know, we shouldn't support support sweatshops and, you know, slavery in producing our food or anything else for that matter. So we need to be conscious in the way we use our money to support industries and things. So for me, I want to support local small farmers that rear their animals in a good way. Yes, they're being slaughtered. And I know the um, the vegans have beef with that, excuse the pun. But I'm not looking to save the animals. The animals are not my God. I know that animals are here for the use of humans. And you may think that is just really bad to say, but I'm a Christian and I know that God says that humans are the highest, um, that they're the pinnacle of creation. So when God created the heavens and the earth and the animals and humans, humans are the pinnacle of that creation. So we are at to put it in a scientific way the top of the food chain so animals are here to serve us not the other way around that does not mean though that we can exploit animals it means that we should look after them for sure but we can eat them we can kill them and eat them for food that's okay and I know that and I'm perfectly comfortable with that and God has really given me peace around that not that that was ever a massive issue for me certainly not killing animals in a in a humane way and making sure that their lives here are are good and comfortable that's fine so that's my stance on it now and as I say next week episode 25 I'm going to be going through the principles for the healthiest and best diet so all of this stuff I've been talking about I'm going to give you um, 12 or 13 can't remember which one it is 12 or 13 distinct principles for the healthiest and best diet so I'll round that up for you next week now lastly to say here that my approach to eating and veganism really have the same goals in mind so say you are a vegan and I know that some of my vegan friends will be really shocked to hear me say this and they will not approve of it and okay that that's fine but my message is that we have the same the same concerns in mind. I am concerned about the animals and their welfare. I am concerned about our health and our welfare. And I'm concerned about the earth and the way we farm it and manage it and the environment. I have those concerns. I do not believe that that is going to save us as a, as a human race. And we're not going to save the animals or the earth by doing that. 
as I say, Jesus is the only one that's going to save that. So that's the difference we have. But I think people who eat well-raised, consciously raised meat and dairy are have the same agenda in mind as vegans. Vegans often have that same concern as well. So just to say that we're not worlds apart, um, you know, some vegans would think that my approach now is really bad and it's totally opposite to what they believe. Not so much, not so much. It's very similar. So I'm going to leave you some links and things in the show notes to some of the doctors and professors that I've mentioned and some articles that I've mentioned. And to finally finish, I'm going to leave you with a Bible quote from Exodus 3.8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And also Deuteronomy 6.3 reiterates the land of milk and honey, both animal-based products. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, your, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So God's description of the promised land as a land flowing with milk and honey is a beautifully graphic way of highlighting the agricultural richness of the land. God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt to a prosperous land, a land of freedom and blessing and in the knowledge of the Lord. Um, And that is a land flowing with milk and honey. So thanks so much for listening today to Eternal Health. It's been a longer one today. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Hope you have a great week ahead. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Health Podcast. Go to lauraremmer.com to download your free Optimum Health Scorecard and find out your current health score, plus tips, coaching, and training on how to get slim, healed, and energized. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time on Eternal Health.